Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. That's right, it's Happy Hour in the Pacific Northwest, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your Commodore of Cocktails, master mixologist, and man on the mic, your weekend wine guy here all around the Puget Sound on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, had a great weekend last week. I uh, hope you enjoyed the shows. I was out in Spokane visiting Swirl, uh, the great wine event there at the Davenport Hotel. Uh, and if you're into wine events, you have to check out Wine Rocks coming up uh, July 10th at Bell Harbor, winerockseattle.com. And if you like spirits as much as I do, we got spirit. Yes, we do. Check out Proof. Uh, the Washington Distillers Guild is hosting their uh, big tasting over at the Fremont Studios Saturday, July 12th. As always, got a great lineup of guests. Uh, three gentlemen, well, two in the room and one on the phone. I've got uh, Chef Ethan Stoll of uh, the Ethan Stoll Restaurant Empire. You may have seen his restaurants, anchovies and olives, uh, barcoto. How to Cook a Wolf, Red Cow, Rion, Staple and Fancy, Tavolata, um, and more. Uh, he's got some fun things happening, obviously a couple new places, and uh, some fun charity events that uh, really help out our community. Also have Drew Mayville, the man behind Sazerac Whiskey Company out in Kentucky. They've got some of the best whiskeys in the world, including Pappy Van Winkle, uh, Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, Blanton's one of my favorite. And I was just mentioning to my friend Alan, I got ancient age in my cupboard. But we're going to talk about Canada. Oh, Canada. Some great blended whiskeys from Canada. And in the studio right now, I've got uh, Mr. John Bookwalter from Bookwalter Winery here in Washington. One of our originals. Been around for, shoot, coming on 40 years, I bet. But uh, we're going to learn about uh, his history, how he got involved. And John Bookwalter, welcome to Happy Hour. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, J. Bookwalter Winery, I remember when I was working at the Alexis Hotel back in 1983, Bookwalter was on our list, as was Katarina in Arbor Crest. I think it was on our list, but tell me about when did the winery get started? You're right. That would have been the first wines that my dad released. So he started the winery in 1983. So it would have been like a Chenin Blanc or Muscat or Riesling, more than likely. I definitely remember their whites, for sure. And uh, where did he get started? How did he get the great bug? Well, he uh, actually went to UC Davis and got a degree in pomology, which is a degree in fruits and nuts. I think more fruits than nuts, or I'm not sure. Maybe he's more nuts than fruits. <laughs> um, so he was uh, he grew up a farm kid and then managed different properties throughout the San Joaquin Valley and then moved to eastern Washington in the mid-'70s and was managing Bacchus and Dionysus Vineyards at that time, the largest vinifera planting of grapes in the state. Whose vineyard was that? Bacchus and Dionysus Vineyards. Oh, Bacchus and Dionysus, part yeah. part of the Sagemore Farm oh, family. Yeah. So that, you know, that was the largest planting of vinifera grapes back in the early 70s, almost uh, 500 acres. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a great vineyard. I think those are some of the most fantastic vineyard names, of course, in the world of wine. I mean, go figure. Someone should have had Bacchus and Dionysus, but we've got it here in Washington State. Yeah, so I ended up growing up above that vineyard, and that's still one of our largest sources to this day. Is that about around Spokane, or where, is, where are those? No, it's about 20 miles due north of Pasco. Okay. All right. I still got to get out there. I mean, I see the pictures, and uh, is that the Wallacher family? 
uh, well, Kent Walzer manages it, but it just was purchased just, recently yeah. by the Allen brothers, I believe, out of Yakima, a third or fourth generation farming family out of Yakima picked it up. And uh, they had the foresight back in the 70s to hire your father. Was he shopping a resume around, or how did... It's this fruit guy down in California. Let's pick him up. He was. I think uh, he might have lost his uh, his job in California, <laughs> and we had our own farm, actually, in Atwater, California. So this is a grapes of wrath story, so to speak. But uh, he uh, was shopping resume, and he felt like he could uh, fish and hunt more if he moved to Washington State than he was in California at the time. So he figured this is a great opportunity. He came up, and Sagemore was more than just grapes. Half of it was apples and, and peaches and pears and and a few other crops, but mostly wine grapes. It's all wine grapes now, though, right? Nope. Oh, they still got everything? Cherries and apples are still a big mm. part of what they do. Well, we are blessed to have Washington State such a cornucopia of great uh, foodstuffs and, and agriculture. Uh, it's really cool. So, Jay Bookwalter Winery, and he got the bug in 83, or what was he thinking? He said, hey, I could do that. Well, so he managed Sagemore Farms from late 75 to early 82 when he resigned, and like every good entrepreneur, started five businesses, <laughs> one of which was the winery. They were all ag-related and all mostly grape-related, so developing properties and brokering grapes. Uh, doing some consulting and, and also managing vineyards for other folks like Dick Shaw, um, who owns quite a bit of grapes to this day, yes. on, especially on Red Mountain. So he worked in and he was also managing Connor Lee Vineyards, which he still does to this day as well. Wow. So he was involved in quite a few things. The winery was just one of those one of those businesses that he started. And so that was so eighty two he left Sagemore Farms and in eighty three he started the wine that made his first wines with actually a, a winemaker named Bill Broche, who was the first winemaker at Chateau Saint Chapelle. Saint Chapelle, huh? Yeah, that's why he was making the whites in the early days. Interesting. Wow, that's that's a cool story. See, I love Happy Hour Radio. We get these <laughs> stories about uh some great people in our community and the industry. So uh the book wall uh, excuse me the I'm speaking with John Bookwalter of Bookwalter Winery. And where was the winery started? In Pasco? So Pasco, yeah. Uh-huh. King City. And you went to high school there and grew up there and ran around and held keg parties in the fields and all that? <laughs> well, absolutely. And I, I didn't get enough of it in Pasco, so I went to Arizona State and continued the party. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Sun Devil. That's all, yeah, that's a great place to party, that's for yeah. sure. Um, so when did you get involved in the winery? So it was uh, September, almost October of 1997. I'd... I'd gotten my degree from Arizona State and then worked corporately for beverage, large beverage companies in sales and sales management, Pepsi, Coors, Gallo. And then I decided to take a crack at the winery and help them out. They were pretty small, a couple hundred thousand in total sales. So I moved into the winery in late 97 and just started as a seller rat. That's cool. Well, that's that keeps you humble, but it gets you the, you know, the grassroots, the ground up. You got to learn it all. <laughs> that way when you're, what's your title now? Uh, wow. Uh, if I had a title, it would be president, CEO, forklift driver, chief bottle washer, you know, just, we're still pretty small. So we, st I do a lot. The guy to call. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, how many wines is, and who's making the wine? Well, I've made the wine, but I've had great consulting for the last, well, since I took over winemaking in 2000, you know, I hired a woman named Zelma Long, who's uh, one of the matriarchs of the, of the California wine industry. I worked with Zummel very closely for nine years, so she was kind of my MBA, if you will, or my uh, my degree in winemaking. Um, and then I hired a gentleman named Claude Gros that I've worked with for the last five years, and he's just a super rock star out of the south of France and works with a lot of great properties. So he's been the so I've had consulting the whole time. Of course, my father knew how to grow grapes and make wine, 
And then uh, I've had an assistant for some time, but I've got some big news that I just hired a, a new head winemaker to kind of take my spot. Ooh, and when is that being announced? Well, I think I can announce it now because we signed the paperwork, but his name's Caleb Foster and he used to be part of Beauty Winery. Well, how about that? There's the Zuma Long Tree as well, isn't well, it? Well, it is because he made, Caleb made his first wines at, at the winery. Uh, in 2000, and then he Zelma Long consulted with Beauty for a number, and I think they still are to this day yeah. for that matter. Well, congratulations, and good for you, good for Caleb. It'd be great to have him back in the fold, yep. uh, especially here in the big city of Woodenville, right? Are you going to be in Pasco? Well, we're, we're the winery's located in Richland, so I spend most of my time there, but we do have a studio in Woodenville. The studio, and uh, I love the whole idea. Um, it's interesting about Bookwalter Wines is you started out with very humble roots and white wines, but now you've, you're predominantly red. Is it all red? Not uh, about seventy percent red, yeah. red production. And uh, name some of the wines here. I know you've brought two today. I think some of the the book the uh, literary themes are really cool. You've got this one is called Suspense, is a Cab Franc, two thousand twelve Cab Franc. But what are some other names of so, the wines? So right next to it, you see antagonist. Some of my favorites are conflict and protagonist. <laughs> uh, the the varietal tier for us is foreshadow. I have some more value driven wines that are notebook and subplot uh, and couplet. Um, our high-end wines are volume go by volume and chapter. Oh wow, very cool. Um, that's easy to remember and uh, also very intriguing and interesting. As suspense, huh? How did you come <laughs> up with this one for Cab Franc? Well, I had actually there was a I I made this wine three three times before or two times before, and I'd used a name that apparently was being used by on about five other wines. So we felt it was important to find a wine that we could or a name we could own. So we actually were able to trademark suspense. And the idea to me, I think Cab Franc and Merlot, super aromatic wines that are very intriguing and very inviting. I think this wine just invites you in. There's a lot of suspense to it, and then it really delivers. Ah, I love it. Well, I just had a sip. Um, it smells beautiful, very soft on the palate, but has good structure. Uh, the tannins are just rounded, good acidity. Um, 12, and I don't know much about the 12. We're talking about 10 and 11 vintages here in Washington State. Tell me about the 12. Yeah, I mean, these are just, we just rolled these 12s. 12 was the most even year. I mean, Mother Nature's had a wicked sense of humor over the last five years. 10, 11, two of the coldest years ever. 12, the most even. 13, the hottest or warmest thus far, although that being said, 14 is even shaping up to be warmer than 13. So, um, but 12s are really even. You, you already said that the tannins are, are really supple, very fine grain. Um, the wines are just, I think, more balanced than a lot of other vintages we've experienced. And the fruit is very ripe. Uh, it's nice to have this particular vintage, this style of wine, come out following the, the 10 and 11. I, mean, I, I love the 10s and 11s because yeah. they got great structure. They'll be long-lived. Um, but I know the consumers can truly grasp them or appreciate them immediately. But this 12, uh, the Suspense Cabernet Franc Merlot or Merlot Cab Franc? It's Merlot. More, it's 56% Merlot and then 30% Cab Franc and a little bit of Malbec and Cab. And uh, is, is a good dollop of new oak on this wine, right? Yeah, probably about 50 to 60%. Yeah, say 60. And it's uh, 15 months in French oak. Mm, it's very tasty. It's got a nice long finish. Uh, the balance there, it's got a little bit of warmth. Oh, yeah. They're certainly a warmer year. You see the sugars creep up. And I don't play with sugars too much. I kind of let them fall out where they... I like fatter wines. I like riper wines. So I'm willing to kind of live with some warmth. And the uh, second wine is called Antagonist, and this is also a 2012? It is a 2012 we just released. It's 100% Syrah from Elephant Mountain, a really cool vineyard in the Yakima Valley, 1,400-foot elevation, so one of the highest elevated uh, vineyards in the in the Yakima slash Columbia Valley. So it's all Joseph Phelps clone, and very, very neat, neat wine. Uh, speaking with John Bookwalter, the president, uh, forklift operator, and the man to call <laughs> <laughs> Bookwalter Winery. If we want to go online, it's Bookwalter... Bookwalter Wines. 
bookwalterwines.com. Bookwalterwines.com to check out their suspense, the antagonist, the protagonist, the conflict. Yep. I'm <laughs> just thinking the subplot, book note, or the notebook. notebook. I thought that was a really cool label. Like how you uh, yeah. juxtaposed the K on, on the notebook yeah. label, which is cute. So I uh, just took a sniff of the uh, 2012 antagonist Seraph from Elephant Mountain. Very, very spicy. Yeah. There's a ton of spice on this wine, a little bit of game, some of that pepper. But to me, certainly um, a little bit uh, toe in the old world, toe in the new world. Well, we're getting crazy here on Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> we're already knocking down glasses. Mm. Well, it's delicious. And uh, so the 2014 will be uh, your Caleb Foster's first vintage then, right? Or yeah, is he so going to blend the 13s? Or? Um, th- he'll be definitely integrally involved in 13s. Um, you know, and I see it more as a peer partnership that we're putting together. You know, clearly I've made the wines now for 15, 16 years. And, you know, I just think it's going to be a great combination of, of his talent and, and what I can get, accomplish in the vineyards. That's awesome, and uh, it's very exciting news, and congratulations. Obviously, obviously, we've got uh, um, some great tandems out there, and uh, you can look to Charles Smith mm-hmm. and, uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, Rick Smalls and, and his team. Um, but it takes more than one, and obviously with the, the business, as we know, especially when you're out there uh, being the face, being the handsome man behind Book Walter Wines, you got to, uh, luckily, you've got a lovely wife that can also be the face, right? Or is she taking care of the kids? <laughs> Uh, she takes care of the kids, but she gets out every once in a while. And most people want to see her instead of me, which I don't blame them. <laughs> well, um, it's it's really fun. Congratulations. And uh, I'm really pleased that you're here on Happy Hour Radio. You've got some great wines. The 2012s are showing beautifully. What do these retail for? Uh, both are about 48 on ah, these wines. No wonder I like yeah. them. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, and, uh, the notebook, but I think you're all about quality. You always have been. And, and congratulations on, on taking the family reins and moving forward. Uh, with Book Walter Wines. John Book Walter, thank you for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Chris. Hey, coming up on the show, I've got uh, Chef Ethan Stoll with Ethan Stoll Restaurants. We're going to chat with him about Eat, Run, Hope and his celebrity softball game. Hey, bada, bada, bada. Uh, also, I have Drew Mayville coming back after this break. Uh, he's the man behind Sazerac Whiskey Company in Kentucky. Got some great Canadian whiskeys that we're going to try. Um, hey, if you're out there in the Twitter sphere, Find me on the Twitter sphere and Happy Hour Radio. It's at Happy HR Radio. And if you'd like to check out all of our great guests coming up in the future shows and try to find some of the, our audio downloads from past shows, please visit our website at happyhourradio.net. Hey, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm David LeClaire with Seattle and Cork, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KBI. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, having a great time in studio with John Bookwalter of BookwalterWines.com. Got two great wines here in studio of uh, the 2012 Suspense and the 2012 Antagonist, a Cab Merlot 
or excuse me, a Cabernet Franc and Merlot blend, uh, and a Syrah. Delicious wines. Uh, I also have uh, a man who just smells great, Mr. Ethan Stoll. He smells like all these fantastic restaurants of his. Chef Ethan Stoll will be on the uh, our program coming up. But right now, I am live uh, on air from Kentucky. Well, Mr. Drew Mayville, the, uh, the man behind... Sazerac Whiskey Company. He's got over 32 years of experience making whiskey, uh, studying whiskey, a uh, a member of the American Society for Quality, which I just love that title. I got to join that group. Drew Mayville, mm-hmm. welcome to Happy Hour. Oh, it's great to be on air with you, Christopher. Hey, thank you. So uh, you, Sazerac Company, I was just really, really excited to see how many great labels you have uh, in the world of whiskey, because I, I like the brown, I like the cognacs and the brandies and the bourbons, and I really like the dark browns uh-huh. too. Uh, but Sazerac's got some fantastic names. you got Buffalo Trace, which I understand is the, the, yes, country's, the country's longest running distillery. Oh, yes, that's where I'm located physically, yes. And uh, since the 1780s, we've been distilling here at this site. <laughs> like we, and you got pictures of all those previous distillers. Yes, in our uh, master distiller uh, boardroom, we have pictures of all of them. Wild. Uh, were they related? Was there a family there, or was it? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. There are different people at different times that bought the distillery over the years. Well, it's good that they kept it going because that's uh, we love that history, especially in the spirits industry. Um, some yes. other other company or other brands you have. One of my favorites is Blanton's. I just love that. Oh uh, yes. that bottle and that whiskey. But I was telling uh, Alan Davidson, one of your great sales reps up here in Seattle, that I have a bottle of Ancient Age in my cabinet. Wow. <laughs> it's probably an older Ancient Age, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been there a while. Um, because yes. I, I think uh, you've got this whiskey, too, or this bourbon. Is it a rye? Old Charter is a 10-year-old. I, I found this at a liquor store. One of the, one of the most delicious, full-of-character whiskeys I had ever had. Well, that's really good to hear because we take a lot of pride in what we do here. Yes. Well, um, I'm excited because uh, uh, you are now launching, well, tell me about these Canadian whiskeys I have. I've got this Royal Canadian Canadian Whiskey Legacy and Caribou Crossing. Yeah, well, those are three expressions that I designed or I blended. Um, you know, my background goes back to the Canadian roots because I did a lot of blending for Seagram back way when. And coming here to Kentucky, I've got this experience with bourbons now, so I wanted to design three expressions that were moving more towards the flavorful side of whiskeys, more premiumization. So we had a lot of base whiskeys. As a matter of fact, in Canada right now, we have over a half million uh, barrels aging up there for us. So I have a, you know, quite the palette of you know, flavors to to look at when I made these three. But the Royal Canadian is a small batch and actually is made with four different grains. It's blended. So uh, you have some in front of you, I understand. I do. The part of the benefits of hosting Happy Hour Radio is that we get to actually to have Happy Hour in studio. (laughs) So I basically hand-selected these barrels for this particular small batch Canadian whiskey, And when you uh, taste this one, it's designed to be more mellow in flavor. So when you taste it, it should be very smooth, almost a creaminess to it. And that's largely because of the wheat that we put into this as a blend. So if you taste it, you'll see that sweet smokiness, but also 
kind of a nutty flavor in, in, in the sweetness along with this creamy richness. Wow. Um, I, I'm so impressed that you actually made this because I, it's we don't really think about the stuff that someone's actually blending in. You handpick these barrels, and you're right. There's a creamy mouthfeel here. I think it's got just a hint of sweetness. I want to say this caramelized pecan. There's this pecan note when you said nutty. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Right, right. It's it's a fabulous uh, uh, drink to drink straight on the rocks. Mm. Uh, you know, you can you can mix it, but you can't enjoy it as much as when you drink it straight. You notice when you taste it, you don't need any dilution at all. It's pretty easy to drink, right? It is, and I, as I'm looking at it, is this 80 proof? Yeah. This is the design of the blend is with that wheat and some rye, but you, the rye, the spiciness doesn't come through strong, or as at least as strong as some of the other ones here. No, but it's got great character. So Royal Canadian Small Batch Canadian Whiskey. Uh, right. What would this retail for? I don't know, Alan. Do you know in that area how much it would retail? Uh, like around the $30 mark? Holy smokes, that's a steal. That's that's a great sipping whiskey. It's so smooth, and, and it, it lingers on the palate, and it's delicious. Right. You guys taste this, John and Je- uh, Ethan? You guys tasted it? Yep. All right. So, so the idea behind Canadian whiskey is it's not overpowering. You know, it's not towards the bourbon side where it's very strong and dominant flavors. It's more subtle flavors. But this is a lot more... Uh, flavorful than most Canadian whiskeys. So. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. And I think a lot of people enjoy Canadian whiskey because they, they're often, um, what do I say, just kindly, that it's uh, uh, just soft and smooth mostly. They, they lack some character, but this Royal Canadian is full of character. Legacy next? I, yeah, I think the legacy would be uh, the next stop on this journey. And I'm look, looking at the, the bottle itself. We've got, uh, um, this one has a little darker hue. Uh-huh. It's just the makeup of the whiskeys that we uh, put in it. Mm-hmm. This one is only a three-grain, so you don't have the wheat part. So it's more of a corn-rye mixture of whiskeys. So you're going to taste it being a little bit different when you taste this one. Let me see what you say. See if you can describe what you're tasting. Mm. Okay, so uh, I, t- I could first smell it, and I did get a hint of corn coming off of the aroma. The first part was corn, because it's definitely different than the Royal Canadian. Um, on the palate, uh, it's soft. I get uh, just notes of toffee and vanilla, um, uh-huh. but they're very, but they're, they're slightly muted, and it's more of a vanilla bean than actually vanilla syrup. So um, Right, and, and then at the end, the finish has got that spiciness from the rye that's more dominating. And, and, it, and there's just a touch of... tannin on it so it just dries out my palate with that spice note oh i like that it's it's music to my ears what you're saying well that's really cool because i I like the fact that each of these is distinctly unique and uh um, delicious in in its own way because this one this is still is sort of a a different beast for canada isn't it i mean corn and rye that sounds different to me than what i would think no that would be more typical um yeah and when you yeah, a lot of Canadians call their Canadian whiskey rye whiskey, even though the rye is a very small part of it. <laughs> and sometimes they don't even have rye in it, and you still can call it Canadian rye whiskey. Really? Wow. Yeah. Is that because you guys got the funny-looking money up there, do whatever you want? Everything's yeah. colorful? Yeah. Okay. It's a little loosey-goosey sometimes, <laughs> I guess. Well, well that's you- why I like—I I really do like about bourbon is the definition is very precise— 
And uh, whereas the Canadian whiskeys, there's a little more leeway and more flexibility because you see a lot of the people trying to uh, finish Canadian whiskeys and, you know, Canadian whiskey, you can add wine, sherry, and there's a little more liberal uh, views on Canadian whiskey. That's up there in the Canada, eh? Yeah, that's right, eh? <laughs> cool. Well, uh, very interesting, very flavorful. And tell me about Caribou Crossing. This one looks, uh, it says single barrel. I'm curious. Oh, yes. That's uh, probably the first single barrel, least commercially, um, for Canadian whiskey. So I actually go up to Canada because we have, you know, half a million barrels up there. And I actually pick out these. And these are these are barrels that are over 10. And it also has four different grains in it. Um, the original makeup, so it's it's an older whiskey, and and when it's older like that, it gives you a much much um, silkier uh, texture on the as far as smoothness is concerned, and because it has uh, the, these rye whiskeys, you'll taste that spiciness. So I want you to taste that one. Uh, I did, and the, my my first impression is it is silky. It's very light. It's there's an elegance to it right on the attack. Um, it coats the palate. It has it then it has a little bit of a weight to it, uh, as if it it's just starting to soak and penetrate the the, the taste buds. Oh yeah, uh, and and the lingering spiciness from that rye from the rye whiskeys. Yes, it's there's more really... spice note than I would say the the toffee caramel vanilla note that I, I found in uh, the Legacy blend. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the best whiskeys because uh, of all those all those uh, characteristics you just mentioned. But it also is very popular in terms of awards. It, we seem to win a lot of awards on this one just because of the the luxuriousness uh, luxuriousness of the uh, taste. Well, it's silky, it's smooth, and it's just so much character. I, I like that it's actually a very complex uh, Canadian whiskey. Yeah, it's got some depth to it. Yeah. Um, we'll tell you what. Hey, I want you to stick around. When we come back from this break, I want to talk to you about uh, uh, just the caribou a little more and, and what else is happening down there in Kentucky. Um, hey, coming out on the show, I've got Ethan Stowell of Ethan Stowell Restaurants, and uh, we're going to chat about his uh, Eat, Run, Hope event and, of course, the Celebrity Softball Game, which will be coming up. And uh, I guess we could talk about one of his 10 restaurants or 10 of his 10 restaurants by that <laughs> All this here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, if you got a question, don't be afraid to send me an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And uh, why don't you give me a tweet at Happy HR Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Chris Gorman from Gorman Winery, and you are listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. Breaking down the big stories, Lynn Beck, weekdays 9 to noon on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, having a great time with John Bookwalter of BookwalterWines.com. And on the line, live from Kentucky, is Mr. Drew Mayville, Master Distiller for Sazerac.com. Uh, I'm enjoying three of his uh, really tasty, delicious Canadian whiskeys, which are uh, 
The Royal Canadian Small Batch, the Legacy Blended, and now I'm sipping on Caribou Crossing, a single barrel whiskey. So how big is that barrel? Do you have just truly one barrel? Yeah, we have uh, half a million barrels, yes, <laughs> but not all this age. This is a quite an old whiskey, so there's very few of them, and it's very limited, so it's very, very uh, short in supply. And I, obviously, I don't pick every barrel I look at, so this one's extremely rare from the barrels. You know, we've bought different brands over the years from different companies, and it really gives me a, a repertoire to look at all these different flavors and stuff, so... That's I really cool. like this one. Hey, so what part of Canada do we need to go attack and go feast on those barrels? Where uh, are they? That's a top secret. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. So it's not over here in British Columbia then, right? No, it's not that close. Uh, There's not too many distilleries out there, unfortunately. Maybe some wineries, right? They've got the Okanagan Valley, of course. Yes. Um, well, so the Legacy is about $30, uh, $25. The Royal Canadian is around 30 and the Caribou Crossing just around 50 But uh, all delicious, fantastic. Good stuff, my man. Drew, I love yeah, that. Thank you. Thank you very much. But uh, look, let me ask you this. If you had to pick uh, your favorite child from all these wonderful brands that you have, and being the master distiller, I'm sure you know them all. What are you sipping on in that rocking chair at the end of the day? Well, you know, it really depends on what I'm uh, in the mood for, and my, you know, it really makes a difference. If I want something that's really, really um, uh, satisfying and not too strong, I would go with the Caribou myself. And if if I'm in the mood for more flavor, like a bourbon, I would probably go with a Buffalo Trace bourbon. Mm. Well, you're lucky because to have my, much more complexity and flavor. So depending on the mood you're in, <laughs> it's um, all about the but, mood. Just but like, once in a while, you like to have a cocktail, and I, I like uh, the Sazerac cocktail, if you know what that is. Oh, of course. Uh, yes. In the original it's day, it was brandy, but now it's rye. And so what rye should we use with uh, from the Sazerac company? Well, and we, obviously we have a rye, too. It's a called Sazerac rye. Oh, how appropriate. Yes. <laughs> and if you really want an award-winning one, it's the, it's the uh, Thomas Handy, and it's uncut, unfiltered. It's fabulous. Little dash of Peixot bitters and a little rinse of absinthe, and we're rocking it with uh, is it orange well, We peel? actually use herb scent. We make that, too. Oh, all <laughs> We've right. got a one-stop shop here. I love it. Sazerac.com. Drew Mayville, Master Distiller. Uh, such a treat. Congratulations on some fantastic whiskeys all around, bourbons, uh, these Canadian whiskeys, and uh, apparently an herb scent we got to check out. I'll have Alan Davidson get us some of that. But uh, Drew Mayville, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Chef Ethan Stoll, 10 restaurants. Did you like roll the dice? Were you playing Yahtzee one day and say, well, let me say this. Ethan Stoll, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, 10 restaurants. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I just woke up and they were all there. <laughs> I, don't, fingers, I don't know what happened. 10 toes. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know what happened. Uh, well, actually, I, you know, obviously that's not true. But uh, you know, I mean, you know, our goal with our company was to kind of grow it. I mean, you know, this last year, I know, has been a, you know, last year, two years has been a big growth spurt for us. And what we wanted to do is uh, we wanted to add on some kind of uh, some higher level managers. So you know, kind of create an executive team that, that you know that operates outside of all the restaurants. Uh, we did, we just wanted to do it for for a few reasons. One, to give better infrastructure to the people that work with us at the, at the restaurants, uh, and then also be able to do a little bit more community outreach and do more fun things and have the restaurants just you know be better for you know the employees uh, and the customers. So I mean that that was the reason behind the growth spurt. So it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't just hey you know we got some cool you know good deals on leases or anything like that. It was actually thought out and 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 we 
wanted to grow. It was kind of a this kind of this hump that we wanted to get over. Uh, and I got a bunch of gray hair in my beard, and the hair that was gray in my head didn't uh, stay gray; it just fell out. So uh, we're doing fine, but you know, it's it's been good. Well, uh, congratulations on managing an empire. Uh, there should be a title for that, and I'm sure you have one somewhere. Um, <laughs> tell me where you cut your teeth uh, cooking, and what was the first dish, and where did you, you know, you said you must have liked a knife or a bowl and a spatula at some point. How'd that start? Uh, it all started, in all honesty. I mean, you know, I consider myself more of a home cook than a professional cook. Because uh, you know it sounds it sounds I'm not gonna lie to you it sounds a little bit corny, uh, but I you know I got the I got the idea and the telling you like it is twenty four seven. This is Talk Radio five seventy KVI, which is a very high. Uh, energy job, high stress job, and and my dad's way of unwinding every day was going home and uh, making dinner for the family. So there was two things we had. My, my dad always always cooked. Uh, that was one part of it, and two was uh, was was everybody had to attend dinner. It wasn't an option in our household. You know, it wasn't. We didn't have a grow up in this very strict household, but it was just something that was heavily encouraged. Not because it was forced upon you, because it was the right thing to do. So, you know, I got the bug that way, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, one, seeing the joy you can get out of, out of, out of preparing a meal for someone and, and B was, uh, was, uh, seeing the joy you can have just gathering around a table. Cause that's, I mean, you know, that I mean, hanging out with friends and family and, and enjoying time over a meal is really what our company is all about. That's very cool. And you've got, uh, 10 expressions to, to uh, to relax at, I guess, right? Ten <laughs> places to go I'm relax. not sure if they're all relaxing, but, uh, they're all, they're all, I think they're all good. So tell me about. Uh, Red Cow. What is this? Red Cow was our uh, place we wanted to open up in Madrona. There was this, you know, there's a, uh, there's a uh, restaurant in Paris called Entrecote, and uh, really all you do is you sit down. They ha- they give you a salad and they give you uh, steak and fries. That th- that's everything that the restaurant does. And 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 obviously, you know, we, you know, with the American palate, we didn't feel comfortable doing that streamlined of an approach. But we wanted to do a restaurant that specialized in steak frites. So uh, I love it. It's probably, you know, it's definitely one of my top five favorite dishes out there. Uh, it's just really good fries, which I think Red Cow has got the best best fries in town. I uh, want to know about those fries. What's the secret? Are they shoestring? Are they steak fries? And are they, you have to soak them? What's the steak? No, well, I mean, it, it is a big process. I mean, it's it's, it's actually very hard to do. It's <laughs> surprisingly, um, uh, what you do is we get we get Kennebec potatoes, uh, cut them, uh, soak them overnight in water, rinse them the next day, uh, and then blanch them in 300 degree oil. Uh, and then cool them down, and then freeze them, and then put them in the fryer at 355 degrees uh, when you're cooking them to order uh, straight out of the freezer. So they get really crispy. Uh, it's 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 it, you know it's almost like it, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's like a little thin stick of mashed potatoes inside of inside of a crispy potato chip. <laughs> they, I think they're delicious. I mean, Chef Tom uh, is the is the chef up there, and he's doing a great job. All right, we're gonna have you on, or I gotta go over there for sure. And what kind of cuts of beef are you using for the entrecote? We we wanted to be approachable for everybody, so we wanted to do uh, kind of a lot of everything. So not just one cut like they do at the restaurant called Entrecote. We do hanger steak, we do a burger, we do New York steak, uh, beef tenderloin, we do a ribeye in two sizes. Uh, one is a one pound and one is a two and a half pound. Oh. Uh, and then also we uh, always have a Wagyu cut on and, there if, and, if people really want to go on the high end side of things. We, nice. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, you know, we really want to be, we want to be approachable. You know, we want to offer the, you know, the high end Wagyu cut, which is just like an amazing cut of beef. And, but we also want to have, you know, nice, really nice, really nice beef so that, uh, so that people don't have to spend a hundred bucks going to, you know, you know, to one of the steakhouses to go out to dinner. Yeah, you're a, a neighborhood joint. That's a neighborhood good. joint. And uh, you make your own ketchup. You doing that thing? 
Uh, we don't make our own ketchup. <laughs> Heinz has got that figured out. Uh, but everything else we make. Mm. Yummy. And my mouth is watering. Um, you have a new project called Chippies. Chippies, yeah. Just the Chippies is our, is our fish and chips joint. We opened. It's right next door to Stable and Fancy. Uh, there was a small coffee uh, shop next door to us uh, down there called Dutch Bike uh, that you know that, that moved a block away, which we were sad to see them go. But they you know opened up a little six hundred square foot space, so we put in a little fish and chips joint. You know, something this small, you know, family friendly. You know, I, I think you know hugely uh, approachable, uh, and then try to take the model of, of fish and chips. Uh, and apply it to uh, to our restaurant, so it's not it's, you know it's not frozen pre battered stuff. You know you were walking you know we're working the same products we work with right next door to Stable and Fancy, and and just you know applying it to that. You know so we've got a I think it's the best beer batter out there. Delicious got actually got a huge amount of vodka in it because vodka <laughs> in the batter you know, vodka in the batter actually evaporates super quick and it makes the you know it oh. makes the outside really crispy. Interesting. So I mean it, I think it's good. It's fun. What's the beer? The beer, there's well, that, secret. It, it, we're down. Oh, the beer. Oh, the beer for the batter. Yeah. Okay. No, it's just we just do use you know rain dogs. You know, rain air. All right. Well, that's a, specific, a very interesting character. I, I've uh, had a lot of long neck rain dogs in my that's uh, right. lifetime. <laughs> and the chips. Uh, is this the same methodology for chips, or do you have to sort of an English chip? No, there. You know, in in, in we kind of wanted to ma- you know we kind of wanted to model the the uh, the 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 chips off of uh, what they do in you know Scotland and you know and Britain, and so it's definitely a bigger cut fry. You know, it's peeled, it's not skin on. It's definitely a bigger bigger cut fry. So mm. you know, it's what they traditionally do over there. Well, uh, I'm excited. And what's what's the cut of fish? Is it uh, halibut cod, true cod? We've got uh, halibut, ling cod, uh, East Coast clams. We're about to put razor clams on the menu. We've got uh, yeah. king salmon. Uh, we've got uh, oysters, and we're we'll probably gonna do a little rockfish, and we'll go Man, from there. I love it. A, a fried heaven for me at Chippy's there next to Staple and Fancy. Speaking with Ethan Stoll, um, coming up, I'm gonna have John Bookwald chime in on on some of those whiskeys we tasted when we come back from this break. And uh, if you got a question, don't be afraid to ask at Happy Hour Radio. We'll be right back. Wine Country is Seattle's big backyard, and spring is the time to enjoy it. With over 100 wineries and tasting rooms, plus microbreweries, distilleries, and dining, Woodenville has a taste for everyone. Go to WoodenvilleWineCountry.com for details on events, tastings, releases, and more. Hi, this is Dennis Cakebread with Cakebread Cellars. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570-KVI. The Commute with Carlson, weekdays 5 to 9, only in Seattle on Talk Radio 570-KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. <laughs> You're right. This is more Happy Hour. I want more Happy Hour. Hey, in studio with Ethan Stoll of Ethan Stoll Restaurants, John Bookwalter of BookwalterWines.com, and uh, tip my hat to Mr. Drew Mayville, who's down in Kentucky at Sazerac.com. So, Ethan, you've got, uh, you mentioned some your ability to provide more resources for charity events and a, a different style of living with your employees and your management team. Tell me about what uh, a couple of the charity events you've got coming up. 
Right. Uh, well, I mean, one of the things that you know that's that, that's very important to myself, and my wife, who's my business partner, Angela, uh, is just you know doing what we can to give back. You know, I mean, so uh, a few years ago, we started a a five k run or walk family fun event and food festival called Eat Run Hope. Uh, this year, it's on June 29th at Magnuson Park. Starts at two o'clock. Uh, you can either do the run or the walk, and then go to the food program, or you can do. Uh, just the run, or you can do just the food program. Uh, you can go to eatrunhope.com, uh, and it's and it's and it's a it's a charity event we put on. Uh, I personally think it's the best food festival uh, in the city each year because it's it's you know it's organized by chef, by a chef, uh, and 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 anytime a chef can can call up his friends and say hey I want you to help me out, uh, you know chefs get on board and they get on board you know in a big way and they're super excited about it because it's a lot of fun. Who's coming? Uh, we got, uh, I don't know who all we got. We got Canlis. We've got, uh, we got Bastille. We've got, uh, we've got Maria Hines. We've wow. got Terra Plata. We've got, uh, the Huxley Walls Collective, meaning Westward. Holy smokes. So we've got, we've got a lot of people in there that are, you know, that are doing it, that are fun and they're excited about it. And it's, you know, it's all, you know, all money goes to the Fetal Health Foundation, which, uh, which is an organization that helps, uh, raise money for, for, you know, to do two things. One, assist, uh, people that have, uh, fetal diseases, uh, while they're, you know, while they're in pregnancy. Pregnancy, and then also to do research for uh, solving problems down the road. So and this is Eat Run Hope, yep. June 29th at Magnuson? Magnuson Park. Yep. And uh, where's the t- tickets at? Or you go to eatrunhope.com. Eatrunhope.com. Yep. Yeah, that'll, that'll re- redirect you to, to our website, which you can get tickets there, and it'll tell you everything you, you need to know about it and who all is involved. Very cool. Well, thanks for That's doing cool. that. That sounds fun. Uh, love to go. And uh, I, saw, I saw a billboard with you and a baseball bat <laughs> or something. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, uh, there's been a couple of billboards around. I, you don't know how much I've been harassed by... Uh, by my uh, staff by seeing a 30-foot uh, uh, picture of me out there. They say they add 300 pounds. <laughs> uh, definitely add at least that. <laughs> uh, but we're doing the United Way uh, uh, charity softball game. Uh, it's to raise money for the United Way for homeless youth, uh, and that's a great, uh, fun event. You know, you got a lot of cool people going in there. There's obviously, you know, I'm very insignificant in the group, but there's like Gary Payton there. There's G-G. Dan Wilson and Jay Buner and Edgar Martinez, Albert Davis, uh, Sean Kemp's there. Um, Lamar Nagel from the Sounders is there. Uh, you know, Cliff Avril is there from the Seahawks. Uh, so there's just a lot of people there having a good time, and and and, it, and it's going for a great cause. It and how really do you get is. tickets? You go to unitedway.com. All right, you know, and that's and at uh, that's at Safeco. Safeco. Yep, 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 yep. What's the date? Uh, June 21st today. Oh, wow! Or not today? It's Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. See, that's today, June, yeah, 21st. June 21st. Hey, yeah. get over there to, after the show. <laughs> well, Ethan Soul, congratulations on your empire, uh, and thanks so much for giving back. Eatrunhope. dot com and the softball game. We'll look for you for swinging for the fences. Uh, and thanks for joining yeah, me in Happy Hour Radio. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. Hey, John Bookwalter, quickly, did you like those Canadian whiskeys? I loved them. I haven't had an opportunity to drink a lot of Canadian whiskeys recently, so that was a real. Real pleasure for me. Yeah, it's nice to get back into something and taste it. And uh, obviously, Jew's doing some fantastic stuff. Very complex, but also smooth. Yeah, well, you started talking about pecan and like legacy, and I was thinking marzipan the whole time. It was really cool. I love it. Well, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Raider. Great to see you. Congratulations. Good luck. And uh, if you want to go see John up there in in, uh, Woodenville, he's got a great uh, Book Walter Wine Studio.
which would be fantastic. Um, hey, coming up on the show, we've got some great events uh, for the next week, I should say. Uh, we've got softball game, which is today. So after Happy Hour Radio, we're all heading down to Safeco Field. Uh, next week, we've got Eat, Run, Hope on June 29th, which uh, sounds so fun. You, you, you can eat afterwards, so don't eat first. <laughs> Do the run or the walk, and then enjoy some great food from Maria Hines and uh, Jason Franey and uh, the Bastille Group. Um, also, looking ahead to July, because I know we all want to plan, and this is the time. We've got Wine Rocks. WineRocksSeattle.com at Bell Harbor. That's a Thursday night. That's where you've got uh, musicians from the industry. Uh, I'm still looking for my rock band. I'm waiting for Chris Gorman to, you know, to let me play drums on some uh, Halen tunes, but uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Hey, also, I got Proof, which is the Washington Distillers Guild event, Saturday, July 12th at Fremont Studios. Go to proofwashington.com. Look at, looking ahead to uh, August, the Auction of Washington Wines. I'm going to have some great chefs and some great guests going to chat up about um, that fantastic charity event that brings in the uh, Washington wine industry for Children's Hospital. I'd like to congratulate all the winners from the Seattle Wine Awards and the Oregon Wine Awards. Check out seattlewineawards.com. And coming up next week, I've got uh, the folks from St. George. Uh, Botanivore Gin. Uh, we're going to talk about some dry rye with Lance Williams Winters. Uh, I got Chris Sparkman, who's also a Woodenville wine guy, Sparkman Cellars in Woodenville, and Miss Jamie Piha. She's the event director and the Maven uh, marketing Maven for all that is cool in wine and spirits. She's the host of Wine Rocks uh, on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, join me next week, 11 a.m. I'd like to thank all my guests. As always, uh, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.